0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's begin our worship with some singing, shall we? Would you stand and sing with us?
1: One, two, three, four, and... Oh
0: people said amen. amen. Please be seated.
1: Thank you. Praise team. And Susan, she's changing hats real quick to come over here and be our lay speaker for this morning. I'm so glad that you're in worship with this morning. My name is Cheryl Broom and I am the pastor here at Lotus Hills United Methodist Church. And today is a really special day, mostly because you're here, but also it is Transfiguration Sunday. It is the last Sunday of the ordinary time before we enter the Lenten season. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that experience was of transformation for Jesus, what that means for us today, and what it means for us as we begin Lent on Wednesday here at Ash Wednesday Services at 7 o'clock. Before we do that, let's see if Susan has any announcements.
0: So I'm Susan Flores, in case you didn't know. And I am so blessed to be here today to worship with you. If you're a first-time guest, please let us know by filling out the blue card found in the pew pocket. We also have prayer request cards there, and you can put either one of them in the offering plate or out at the Welcome Center when you leave. There's also a QR code to get you to our webpage for the bulletin if, if you didn't grab one. You are invited to worship this Wednesday, February the 22nd at 7 p.m. for our Ash Wednesday service. In the Ash Wednesday service, we're reminded of our mortality. We confess our sins and we experience forgiveness through Christ's death and resurrection. The imposition of ashes is a central part of the service where you will be invited to come forward to receive the ashes on your forehead. You are invited to worship this Wednesday, February the 22nd, at 7 p.m. for our Ash Wednesday service. In the Ash Wednesday service, we're reminded of our mortality. We confess our sins, and we experience forgiveness through Christ's death and resurrection. The imposition of ashes is a central part of the service where you will be invited to come forward to receive the ashes on your forehead. Now, Jessie Spina, our Director of Christian Education, will share a moment of mission and a few announcements. And she looks a little weird today.
2: I look weird every day.
0: Thank you, Susan. Good morning,
2: everyone.
1: Good morning, Jessie.
2: I was very kind and waited for Valentine's Day to pass before we started talking about the egg hunt. So you're all welcome. Walmart did not do that. I don't know if you know this, that Easter's been out for a couple of weeks. But our Easter egg hunt is coming up. Each year, Hello to Sills UMC hosts a community Easter egg hunt, and it is a wonderful opportunity in the life of our church to connect with our community. We have people from all over come to our campus to celebrate Easter. We have kiddos come out and do an Easter egg hunt. We have families come out, and it's an opportunity for us to welcome them and say hello. We're here. We want to love on you. Please join us. I want everybody to take a moment and think about your Easter memory is growing up. What comes to mind? A lot of times it's your family and your friends that you spent Easter with. Maybe it's Easter dinner. I know when I was very little, we rotated houses and Easter dinner was always held at our house instead of my grandparents' house. So it was a special dinner for us. I remember going to worship on Easter morning with my parents and all of the music that we had during that. And Kathy does an amazing job making sure that happens here. I remember getting the new outfit, right? You always had to have your special new Easter outfit. And when I was really little, I would get a big floppy hat to wear until I realized I didn't like hats. But as a kid, the thing that stands out most in my Easter memories is the egg hunt, the fun I got to have celebrating Easter. And it's not because I got candy. It's because I got to have fun and hang out with my friends. And I got to do it at my church with my church family. Our Easter egg hunt might seem sometimes like a silly thing to do, right? We're just giving kids a bunch of sugar, but it really is an incredible opportunity for us to create those memories for the kids in our community and to bring those families in, to say that we're here. Have you ever told people that you attend Hello Hills United Methodist Church off of Bandera and they say, oh, the one with the big cross on the front? And they're talking about the Presbyterian Church, right? We're quite often combined together with them. Whenever we have something on the campus, It brings uh, awareness to our community that we're here. And so I wanted to invite everyone to participate in the Easter egg hunt this year in whatever way you are able. We will be collecting donations of um, Easter prizes and um, individually wrapped candy. We do ask no chocolate because it sits out in the Texas sun. Even if it's Easter, it'll still melt. Um, We ask for donations of large Easter eggs, plastic Easter eggs, so that we can fit the candy in them. Uh, We also need help. We need people to put the Easter egg hunt on. You guys are the church. Doesn't matter how many things I plan, if I'm the only one showing up, the church isn't there. I am not the church alone, it is you all. And so we need volunteers for the day of the Easter egg hunt. It'll be April 2nd from noon to 2 p.m. We need people to help plan the Easter egg hunt. We're having a planning committee meeting on the, uh, March 12th. And then we need my pro stuffers. I know you all out there, because you come year after year. And we'll be stuffing Easter eggs on March 26th. So if there's any way that you feel called to help, please step forward and do so. There is a sign-up sheet out in the lobby for you all to sign up. Or you can contact me and say, hey, I want to help, but I'm not really sure how to help, what my abilities are. And I am happy to find a place for you because I believe everybody has something to offer in our church family. Thank you. you,
0: Thanks, Jesse. Now, every time we're in worship, we light these candles to remind us of Christ's presence with us. Please stand in body your spirit as we welcome the light of Christ. Scripture reading today comes from Exodus 24, verses 12 through 18. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there. I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses set out with his assistant, Joshua, and Moses went up onto the mountain of God. To the elders he had said, wait here for us until we come back to you. Look, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the Israelites. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us join together in prayer, please. Oh, God of mystery, God of transfiguration, help us to view the world differently. Help us to experience places where heaven and earth meet, where the veil is thin, where we view life through your lens. Help us to find the holy wherever we are, to experience mystery and wonder. May we experience awe that causes us to tremble in your presence. May we hear your voice call to us, and may we feel you gently help us up when we are down. O Lord, we ask that we may experience the holy all around us, knowing you are ever present and ever faithful. Your steadfast love endures forever in us, around us, and beyond us. Amen.
2: We'd like to invite the kiddos forward for their spark moment before we head out to spark worship. Good morning. So today, did you guys know today is a super and special day in the life of the church? Did you know that? What is it? Miss Susan's already talked about it once today. Pastor Cheryl's already talked about it once today. Sunday. Something Sunday. It's Transfiguration <laughs> Sunday. So Transfiguration is a big word that means to transform, kind of like a butterfly goes from a caterpillar to the butterfly, right? It transforms itself. And when we're talking about Transfiguration in the Bible, there is a specific story of Jesus when he reveals himself to his disciples to be fully God, right? We all know today, reading back through the Bible, we know that Jesus was fully human and fully God. But his disciples who were living with him and eating with him and hanging out with him day in and day out, they probably had a hard time understanding that, right? I think if Ruby, my friend Ruby here, told me that she was fully God, I probably wouldn't believe her until she showed me. I don't know, it might be a little bit hard. Cause i hang out with ruby all the time i know who she is right she's giving me a weird look but so there's there's this time where jesus reveals himself to his disciples we're going to learn more about that in spark worship but the important thing that i i want you guys to remember is there are three times during jesus's life when god spoke directly to people and each time he talked about who jesus was right and the transfiguration is one of those times Jesus reveals himself. He starts glowing bright and shining like the sun, right? His clothes are whiter than it is humanly possible to make it. They are actually glowing, and we're not going to put our fingers in the socket. They're actually glowing. You would be glowing like Jesus. We don't want to do that here. He's actually glowing, and his disciples are astounded at what's happening. And clouds come over Jesus, and God speaks, and he says these very important words. He says, this is my son who I love. Listen to him. If the disciples had any doubts in their mind at that moment that Jesus was the son of God, I think they were probably all gone. What do you think? I think so. We'll talk more in class. I'm not <laughs> sure what you just said. Are you guys ready to pray? We're going to pray, and then we're going to go to the spark worship. We're going to learn about the transfiguration. We're going to sing about the mighty power of God, and then we're going to make a luminary to take home so we can remember the story. Are you ready? Let's bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes, and say, Dear God, Dear God thank, you for sending your son thank
1: you for sending your
2: Son so that we may receive our heavenly sight in him. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to exit out the back for Spark Worship. Thank
1: you, Jesse. Good morning. Good morning. We're back to doing our normal prayer time. We will spend just a moment or two in silent prayers that we might bring our own concerns before the Lord our God, and then we'll end with a prayer time in the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, there still remains so much devastation in the world, thousands upon thousands of people who suffer. We ask you, O oh God, as your son drew apart to be in prayer with you, we offer our prayers for the transformation of the world and the church. We give you thanks for those who celebrate and welcome love and new life. We pray for all who are suffering because of natural and human-made disasters. We pray for those who live daily with the destruction and decimation of war. We pray for all who grieve. And we pray, O Lord, for those who are awaiting your healing touch. You revealed your glory and presence in your beloved Son, Jesus the Christ. In receiving our prayers, reveal the glory and presence of your spirit alive in the world today. Free us from all doubts and empower us to act as transfigured people. This we pray now, adding the prayer Jesus taught his disciples as we pray together. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. They came bursting into my room in the middle of the night, with bright light scorching my eyes. And the noise, they rushed into my bedroom, striking the tambourine and with their loud voices singing. And for a minute, I didn't know where I was or what was happening. It was quite a way to wake up from dark 30. What were they singing? Well, they sang this song called Las Mañanitas Song. Anybody know Las Mañanitas Song? And you know what I'm talking about. The song goes, let's see if I can sing it. How beautiful is the morning. Our hearts are light and gay. We sing God's song of blessing to awaken you today. The sun is now arising as the day begins anew. Arise now and greet the morning that meets with joy for you. And it's loud and it gets louder. And they jump on my bed. And then as suddenly as it began, it ended. And all I was left with was some presents and some cake. And a, a real curious feeling of who let them in my house, Kevin Broom. What was happening? It was so weird. And when it was over, and they, they disappeared so quickly, I, I almost thought it didn't happen. Except the telltale signs of the party was left in my bedroom. I read about this story about Moses going up on the mountain when he got the commandments with his friend. Um, and I wondered if he came down from the mountain, too, And said to himself, did that just happen? Did I just talk to the Lord? You see, Moses talked to God on several occasions. And God talked back. One occasion was at the burning bush. Do you remember that story? Another one was in uh, Exodus 33 when Moses wanted to see God. And God said, you can't see me. My glory is too great. But if you'll hide in the cleft of this mountain, you can see the back of me. And God passed by. And Moses saw God. He left that experience with his whole body alight. His face as bright as light. And then we heard the story that Susan read this morning. Where again he met God up on the mountain. And stayed getting the commandments of God for some 40 days. Now today we read from our Matthew chapter a similar kind of sighting with God. From Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 through 9. If you want to pull your pew Bible out and take a look with me, and the reason I'm inviting you to do that is because my reading this morning is going to be a different version. The version I'm reading from is the contemporary English version, and I'd like to give you uh, periodically different versions I read from, and then you look at the New Revised Standard Version or whatever version you carry with you and see what the difference is in the nuance in the language and see if God has a word for you in that difference. God often has a word for me when I read different versions. So we're going to read from the, I'm reading from the contemporary English. And they entitled this passage, The True Glory of Jesus. Listen now for a word from God. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the brothers, James and John, with him. And they went up on a very high mountain where they could be alone, There, in front of the disciples, Jesus was completely changed. His face was shining like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And all at once, Moses and Elijah were there talking with Jesus. So Peter said to him, "'Lord, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah.'" And while Peter was still speaking, the shadow of a bright cloud passed over them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my own dear son, and I am pleased with him. Listen to what he says. When the disciples heard the voice, they were so afraid, they fell flat on the ground. But Jesus came over and touched them. And he said, Get up and don't be afraid. When they opened their eyes, they saw only Jesus. And on their way down from the mountain, Jesus warned the disciples not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had been raised from death. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, you might want to keep your finger in the Bible at that passage because we're going to go back a little bit later and refer to chapter 16. So um, I think cha- chapter 16, verse 21 through 24, we're going to look at that in a few minutes. Now, I have heard that the brightest light found on earth can be found at the southern end of the Las Vegas Strip (laughs) in a pyramid-shaped casino called the Luxor Hotel. Now, I know many of you have never been to Las Vegas, so let me describe what is on top of that that, uh, pyramid at the Luxor Hotel. At the very top of the hotel, the four points converge together in a black pyramid, and there is a tower, and inside the tower, at the very pinnacle of the building is an intense light that points straight up into the heavens. And every night, the light is turned on, and it shines insanely bright. Insanely bright. The Luxor, it's called the sky beam, boasts that it is the brightest light in the world. It, they say it has some 42.3 billion candela. You scientists know what that candela is. That's the light from one candle, And this light has 42.3 billion candles worth of light. That's almost impossible to imagine how bright it is. And they say that this stream of light is so bright that airlines driving by 275 miles away can see the light in the sky. They say when the light is on full beam, neighbors in that residential area can read their newspaper outside in the middle of the night. That's how bright that light is. And obviously, the casino owners intended for this bright light to attract people, gamblers, guests, but one unintended side effect from this bright light is the millions of bugs that it attracts every single night. And not only does it attract the bugs, but the bats love the bugs. So the bats circle and eat the bugs, and then, I didn't even know this, owls eat bats So they have bugs, birds, and bats. They never intended that with that bright light, did they? And it's so funny, even though they say that this is the brightest light in all of the earth, and we can't even imagine its brightness, it cannot hold a candle to the brightness of our Lord and Savior found in Jesus Christ. It doesn't hold a candle to Christ In our scripture today, Jesus travels up to the mountaintop with his faithful sidekicks, Peter, James, and John. He went up to the mountain, the Bible says, for some alone time, and then they meet up with Moses and Elijah. Now, I cannot imagine the people who saw the bright light at the Luxor fall on their face in fear. Do they? No, but that's what the disciples did. They fell on their face in fear and awe, and this is not Altogether, an unusual occurrence because God's light is the, far, the brightest display of God's love and glory in the whole world. And this light proves that Jesus is the light of the world. His divinity shines forth in the world, and it temporarily blinds Peter and James and John. And sometimes it temporarily blinds us as well. The Old and the New Testament show us God using the light, blinding Moses as he awaits on Mount Sinai. And Jesus, when he took his assistance, as Moses took Joshua, there is a cloud and a brilliant blinding light. And here are the key details that you should not miss. Jesus was transfigured. The word that they used in the Greek Bible is metamorphothi. What does metamorphothi mean in English? Metamorphosis. And we typically look at the metamorphosis most easily explained in the body of a caterpillar. The caterpillar that crawls along ends up in a crusty cocoon, breaks forth as a butterfly, completely changed but the same, kind of like Jesus did when he went up in the mountain. See, Jesus went up there probably in a dusty tunic with dirty feet, his hair all windblown, and in a minute, just a minute with God, he is transfigured into a dazzling, dazzling white with his face shining like the sun and his clothes as bright as white light. That is transfiguration. And he has company with him. Now scratch your head about this. He's got Moses and Elijah behind him and both of them were long gone from the earth. Both of those represent in the Bible both the law and the prophets. Standing there, with Jesus. Now, both of those men, too, also had downright baffling deaths. They departed. There was no burial. And in the Bible reading, it simply says they were talking with him. Hmm. Imagine that. Three of the greatest people ever on earth, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, talking together. I wonder what they talked about. I wonder what they said in their conversation. Obviously there was intimacy and love and wisdom. Do you ever wonder what, what were they talking about? So Peter said to him, Lord, it is good to be here, right? Well, let's make a shelter, Lord. Want two? One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And Peter, who tends to act and speak before thinking, utters the greatest understatement of all scripture. Lord, it's good that we're here. I mean, really think about that. Good? It is fantastic. It is fabulous. It is fantabulous. It is amazing. And oh, that Peter, always blurting out what is ever on his mind and acting without thinking. I'll tell you, I couldn't sure relate to Peter. Can you? Because sometimes I speak without thinking. And I'll tell you, I can relate to Peter because sometimes I act without thinking. I act impulsively. Do you ever do that? Does that ever happen to you? Peter, who Jesus would later call the rock in which I will build my church. I don't mean Dwayne Johnson. The rock of the church, whom he would build upon. Once Peter jumped out of the boat, walking on water to Jesus, and then as soon as he figured it out, he sank. That was in Matthew chapter 14. 14. The same Peter who scolds the Lord for trying to and tries to hush him up when Jesus talks about his pending death and resurrection in Matthew 16. The same Peter who said, I will never, ever, ever deny you, Lord. Only we find in Matthew 26 that he denied him three times. What a mess that Peter is. And I think that there are many ways that we are like Peter. Like him, we want to do something. We want to do our faith in action. We want to prove our love for Jesus. So Peter needed a task. He needed a takeaway. Let's build some booths. That's what he says. Yeah, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Great idea. Let's get busy for the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. It's true. And yet God stopped him in his tracks. When the light of the cloud descended upon him and said, this is my own dear son. I am pleased with him. Listen to what he says. It has an exclamation mark there. I don't know how God would exclamate things, so it kind of scares me to get louder. This is what he says. Listen to him. My beloved son, so much love. And hearing God's voice, what do you think you would do? I think I would fall on my face, too. Maybe I'd even have a heart attack. Or would I be like Peter and try to build a shelter for Jesus? Or would I sing or pray or shout or dance? God tells them what to do. Listen to what he says. Now, we need to stop being busy and keeping busy for the Lord. we got to slow our roll, and we got to have some time of quiet and contemplation and meditation To be available to God, not to go and do, but to be and adore the Lord our God. When the disciples heard this voice, they were so afraid, they fell flat on the face. But Jesus came over and touched them. Imagine that. And he said, get up and don't be afraid. Now, in case you're wondering, a little bit of fear is normal. In fact, fear helps us instinctively protect ourselves from harm. And if anyone had a right to fall on their face in fear, it was these guys, I think. I think if we experience God like this, we would probably fall flat on our face. And yet I know that I know that I know when I am most afraid, I seek Jesus. And I hear these words, and I can imagine him touching my shoulder, and I trust in his words that says, get up and don't be afraid. So, this story continues in verses 8 and 9. When they opened their eyes, they saw only Jesus. And on their way down from the mountain, Jesus warned the disciples not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had been raised from death. Wow. What a day. All the pieces coming together. See, Jesus had already told them what was going to happen. Look back now on chapter 16 of Matthew, if you have that in your hands. He had told them right before they went up the mountain what was going to happen. This is Matthew 16, verses 24, 21 through 24. And again, I'm reading from the contemporary English version. 16, 21 through 24. From then on, Jesus began telling his disciples what would happen to him. And he said, I must go to Jerusalem. They are the nation's leaders. The chief priest and the teachers of the law of Moses will make me suffer terribly. I will be killed. But three days later, I will rise to life. And Peter took Jesus aside and told him, stop talking like that, he said. God would never let this happen to you, Lord. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Satan, get away from me. You're in my way because you think like everyone else and not like God. And Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my followers, you must forget about yourself, you must take up your cross and follow me. Jesus' transfiguration on that mountaintop, having shown us the cross, shows us what is next. And even before Jesus was killed, before it happened, he has already surrendered his life to God and accepted his cross. And now on the mountaintop, he is risen, shining with the light of resurrection, appearing with Moses and Elijah who have already died. And now we know, we know what we know what we know, what is in store for us. Jesus has given us the courage to carry our cross, to accept the suffering involved in loving and in living and accept God's redeeming grace because there is glory at the end of it. Today, this transfiguration story points us to the cross and the resurrection as it prepares us to enter into the season of Lent with hope and not fear. Jesus is still God's beloved. We are still God's beloved And his path of love leads us down through the valley, through the ashes of Ash Wednesday, through the tears of the Via Della Rosa, the way of sorrow. And today, on this mountaintop, we get a 360-degree view from the mountaintop, and we already know what this 40 days of Lent is going to bring us. We know what is ahead. So let's take a deep breath. You can take a deep breath as we prepare for this journey. Let us remember the hope that Christ gives us as we begin our Lent season with ashes and repentance and sorrow. And let us remember that the end is our beginning because it is not the end of the story. It's only the beginning of the transformation into new life through Christ. Lent is the season of repentance. We get 40 days to turn around, turn our lives around, head into a new direction, head into the chance of a life without limitations. Even though our humanity and through our failures, through our sins, we begin to recognize our utter dependence upon God for every breath. I invite you to join me on this journey. Let's let the courageous come as we journey with Jesus with ashes of repentance on Wednesday. At seven right here. I'm going to have little crosses for you to take. And you can write what it is, the burden that you carry. All of us carry a burden. And what did Jesus say? Pick up your cross and follow me. And so I'll invite you to take a cross and write your sorrow or your pain or your problems or whatever it is that you need to give over to Christ. And carry that cross over the 40 days of Lent and see if your life is not changed by him. Together, we will seek God and we're going to be reminded that we are merely dust. It is from dust that we come, and it is to dust which we will return. Here, we will face our finitude, repent our sins, acknowledge the shortness of our lives, and you'll receive a mark of ashes upon your forehead and the sign of a cross. That shows our acceptance of the way of life that Jesus is offering us. It shows our acceptance that we, too, will pick up our cross and follow Christ. Are you ready to take up your cross? Are you ready for the journey with Jesus? Let us pray. O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant to us that we, beholding by faith in the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross, to be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.
0: Now is the time for our offering. And as I've said before, I give because that is what my faith tells me to do. I pray that your faith will lead you in the same direction. Let us go to God in prayer. Creator God of infinite patience, we see you in every plant that grows and blossoms, every creature that runs or flies, in the mountains and in the sunsets, and in every drop of rain that falls, Creation is not something that happened, but something that is happening every day. As we share our tithes and offerings today, we pray you, through Jesus, will continue the work of creation in us that we might become more tolerant, more forgiving, more generous, and more loving. In that name, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, we pray. Amen. Will the ushers please come forward.
1: Please stand in the body or spirit as we sing our song of thanks, the doxology. Almighty and awesome God, we give you thanks and praise for those who come with generosity of spirit and heart. We ask, O Lord, that you would use these gifts in your church, that we might spread the message of Christ to all. Bless it, sanctify it, and multiply it for the use in your kingdom. This we ask in the name of Christ Jesus, and let all who agree say amen. 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 Let's stay standing as we talk about our discipleship. Every time we come and enter into this place and hear the word of God, I pray God's spirit changes you. Discipleship is what you do when you leave here, how you carry Christ's light forward in what you do. Some will go to study to learn more about the Bible, to learn more about how they can be disciples. Others will go out into the world to feed others. You know what the need is. I ask you to do that in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you aren't a member here and you want to join, I'll invite you to come up during the last hymn. Otherwise, let's say together the mission of Lotus Hills United Methodist Church. This was modified recently by your leadership team. I hope you notice it and like the changes. Let's say it together, please. The The mission mission of of Lotus Lotus Hills Hills
0: United United Methodist
1: Methodist Church Church is to grow and 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 nurture disciples of Jesus Christ Christ for the the transformation transformation of our our community. community. And And our world. You are charged to go forth to do that. I send you forth with this blessing. Shine, Jesus, shine through us. Amen? Amen. Go forth with God's peace and love. (laughs)